All right, good afternoon, good morning. Thank you all for tuning in. I have you listening to this to Last Word Productions once again. I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word, as you all know. But as we all have seen this past week, you know, see some ups and downs in the NBA. We've seen the final week, week 17 of the NFL. We know who in, we know who's out in terms of the playoffs and I want to jump right into it, man. I want to start off with a little segment I I call, So What Now? And what I mean by that is I'm going to speak on the playoff teams who were just there, didn't quite get in, you know, and ultimately will not be playing this week. So I want to start off with the team who I thought, who many people thought would be there playing after, reg- after the regulated season. It's the Arizona Cardinals, man, and what now for them? I think for the Arizona Cardinals at this point, I think they really need to just reevaluate their coaching staff, which includes the HC and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think it's time to truly see what they have with him. I mean, he's... He's in his second season as the HC. I'm not saying he's failing. I'm not saying that he's not proven to be the guy. I mean, he's he's put this team, he's put pieces on this team that can help this team be successful for a, a very good four or five year stretch, easily. But now it's about putting that talent together and making it mesh, making it work. And this team had a lot of expectations this season, especially being the fact of how they started off. They started off red hot. They went on the stretch where they won, I believe, four out of the five games. And now they just, I believe out of their last, let me, I have to check the numbers. Out of the last five, they only won two games. I mean, they lost two straight to end the year. We thought they picked it back up against the Giants in a blowout win against them, but that wasn't the case. And in all honesty, man, the defense just wasn't good. It wasn't. I mean, the defense was mediocre to bad all season long, except for, again, outside of one game against the Giants. They were really good, but they just weren't consistent enough to help propel this team to that next step. And also the offense as well. I mean, they had some... Hiccups on the offensive side of the ball in terms of injuries. I know Ken Drake missed some games. I know Kyler Murray missed some time in the, the most crucial game of the year against the Rams. So that could have helped them secure a playoff spot with being the fact that the Bears had lost to Green Bay. But it didn't pan out that way as we saw seen. And to be honest with you, man, this is a team that went out and got D-Hop because they felt like they were that one true receiver away from making this offense go from, okay, we're good, but can we get to this consistent, good and great play every week? And honestly, man, it just wasn't there. A lot of that has to do with the inefficiencies of Kyler Murray at times. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete, great arm, great speed for his position and for his his self-period. I mean, he's undersized, but he's a stronger dude than – you know, he's giving credit for dynamic player. He's a difference maker, truly. But he, he has had his hiccups. 
Chase Edmonds came in, played well for Ken Drake. When Ken Drake was a player, Ken Drake played well for them. I mean, it seemed as if it was all panning out for him, but Kingsbury made some questionable calls at times. He's he's been overly aggressive at times, going for certain fourth downs that they didn't get instead of just taking a field goal or putting the ball away and, and trusting in your defense. And to me, that shows also how much faith they had in their defense, if I'm being honest. I mean, they went for it on fourth down a lot, man. And honestly, it just showed that he would rather the ball in Kyler Murray's hands than the ball heading towards their end zone. So they, they definitely need some improvements on the defensive side, man. They got the talent, to me, at this point, it's about whether or not the coaching staff and the front office can consistently show that they can put this team in a success for in a position to be successful, I should say. And they haven't shown that this year, man. They was hot and cold the entire season. And I think next season is going to truly determine if Kingsbury still has a job in Arizona or not. I'm not fully sure yet. Like I said, I don't think the guy's a bad coach. I think he's actually a young, promising one. But he, he he's shown flashes of good play calling. He showed that he can develop some talent, some guys. You know, they have a lot of good, dynamic players who are developing on the offensive side of the ball. But they need defensive players to be better and get better. They need to show that they can develop at all phases of the game. It just hasn't shown it this year. And to me, that's their biggest what now like they have to be able to show consistency from a coaching perspective to the point where they could develop players and bring in the right guys to help this team truly take that next step next team i'm gonna speak on i'm gonna speak on the miami dolphins man and as you all know i'm a dolphins fan you know it's it was rough watching them get 56 put on them by matt barkley and Backups and it was it was just horrible, man. It was absolutely terrible. We we played horrible all three phases. The special teams was terrible, allowing the punt return, the um the great punt by the Bills punter. Our punter couldn't punt better for thirty or forty yards the entire game. I understand the conditions and the weather. I understand all that, but you're a professional. There's no excuse. Got to be better. So what now for the Dolphins? To me now, man, it's about growing, adding pieces to the puzzle. You knew this wasn't a complete team. You knew it wasn't perfect. You knew it wasn't good. You know, you just so happened to be better than what many expected you to be because your defense was playing good, because you had a young QB who didn't lose you games he, by making horrible decisions with the ball. Majority of the time he didn't. This game, he, he played bad. Not not the sugarcoat at all. He played horrible, if I'm being honest. A lot of missed throws and a lot of drops. So a lot of it, a lot of it is on him, man. And I've said it multiple times throughout the season and even when Tua was drafted. They need to get they need to get new receivers, man. And to be honest, the receiver room needs to be completely remodeled. I mean, everyone can go at this point. Devontae Parker, I say you keep him unless you're offered a really good, you know, price bounty for him. And that's if if they talking second round, 
third round picks in the package form, I'm taking it. To me, he's too inconsistent. He's a better number two option. He's not a number one. He can't run good routes. To me, he's he's simply a 50-50 guy. That's it. That's that's what he is. And a 50-50 guy cannot be a number one because that means he can't consistently create separation. He can't consistently win one-on-one matchups. That just means you give him a chance to catch the ball, and you don't need to be given chances every single play on the hot route. You need to know this guy can create a yard or two separation if I need him to get to this spot or if I need this first down or if I need eight yards. You, you need to know that. And we, they don't have that right now wide receiver. <clears throat> Mike Gazeki showed a lot of promise this season as a receiver tight end. I still think he's not the best blocker, but he, he never was a blocker. He was always a, a bigger receiver. That's what he is. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of pass catching, primarily pass catching tight ends in the league. You know, you look at guys like Greg Olson, <clears throat> who's never been a good run block in his career. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can look at guys like Greg Olson. You can look at guys like Logan Thomas for the the Redskins. He's not a terrible blocker, but he's not a blocker. I mean, this is a former quarterback. <laughs> This guy, he's not looking to truly hit people, be physical at times. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of guys out there who are still producing at the position, even though they're not, the, you know, the necessarily proclaimed all-around tight end. But Dolphins need better weapons. And this is another thing that needs to happen for this offense to take that next step. And I've, I've said this before about this individual. Chan Gailey has to go, man. He has to go. He's, the play calling is extremely conservative. It's way too conservative. It's inconsistent. He he does not stick to what's working at all. There, there, it's like he's trying to. This is how I know Chan Gilly is a problem. Last game in the third quarter, Brian Flores, a defensive-minded coach. Let, let that sink in, everyone. Brian Flores... The guy who literally helped this guy get a job again, who was when he was retired, took over offensive play calling after in the third quarter and beyond that. That shows me and tells me he even believes this guy was calling a bad game. Like, dude, what are you doing? Here, since you can't do it, I got it. When Fitz was in the game, people want to say it looks different with Fitz in the game. Yes, it's different because, one, Gailey has already admitted to that fact that not only is there two different schemes and systems with the 42 QBs, Fitzpatrick has ultimate control of the offense to call his own plays, unlike Tua Tagovailoa, who had no choice but to run the plays he was giving because, one, they're not giving any rookie QB the keys to completely run an offense because, for one, it's too much for him to take in for any rookie quarterback. I don't care who it is. And also, he has to prove that he can give that, get that right. And to me, man, they they handcuffed to it a lot this season. I know, like I said, he didn't play great. I'm not defending him in any shape or form. But I, I got to admit what I'm looking at with my own two eyes, man. The play calling is too conservative, it's too inconsistent. The running game, we didn't have one consistently all year. Only games we had a 
I I say a legit running game was probably I say for what four games out this season. That that's horrible. <laughs> like that's that means only one fourth of the season you were able to muster a a good enough rushing attack that make a defense respected. No, that's not getting it done. At the end of the day, they need playmakers, receivers, running backs. They need another pass rusher because when we rush forward, man, it's just no, it's nothing coming at all at the QB, and it's horrible. And the secondary played absolutely dreadful. They played awful with everyone. I know we had two interceptions, but Byron Jones got burnt a couple times. Nick Needle got burnt, it seemed like, the entire game. And X got burnt a couple times. It can't happen, man. You you invested nearly $200 million in your two corners. It can't happen. It can't. It just can't. They have to be better, period, point blank. So what's next for this team? Add pieces. You need playmakers. You need to let your young QB develop. Everyone going to want to compare him to Justin Herbert since Herbert had a great season. And, you know, rightfully so. And I said this before. I said... I told multiple people this. I wouldn't be surprised if Herbert was the best quarterback in his draft class. I wouldn't because he's that talented. And I thought at Oregon he was that good. Did he have hiccups? Yes. But, again, that's any quarterback. And I hate it when people dwell on these little nicks here and there about a guy. When I'm like, what quarterback or what position period in football have you ever seen play absolutely lights out each and every game? Everyone is going to have a bad game. Everyone is going to make a bad throw. It happens. It's a part of the game. So, to me, that was just unjust and unfair to Herbert coming out. But with that being said, I heard this on a show earlier. I for, I forgot the name of the show, but I know it's I know the, the host name. His name is Tobin. I forgot the name of the individual who said it. It, it was his other co-host. He said, exactly, he made a great point, man. He was like, listen, this the situation Tua was placed in was far different from any quarterback that he was drafted with in the same class with. Burrow was playing with house money. He knew he could go out there and legit throw away a game and set for no consequence because the Bengals weren't playing for nothing. Same thing with Justin Herbert. I mean, yeah, the, the Chargers have a little bit better team, but... They weren't playing for nothing. They, they Once he showed that he had the promise, after that point, it was just about letting him grow for the next season. The Dolphins didn't grant to attack about lower that. When he struggled, they pulled him. When Herbert struggled, he had to grow through him and learn. That's the difference between the two. And he also made a point where he said, if Tua would have been in with the Chargers with those weapons, and that much improved offensive line. And not only that, but that trust in him to grow and learn from his mistakes. He would have produced if the same numbers that Justin Herbert did. Which I completely agree with because I believe Tua is, to me, I thought he was the best quarterback coming out. Even though I, I know I said Justin Herbert could be because I feel like he's the most talented. But... Coming out of the draft, I feel like Tua is the best quarterback in his draft. And it's because his accuracy, it's because his decision-making, it's because the, the way he throws anticipation. Those are things that cannot be coached. It's either you have it or you don't. 
Now, does he have the strongest arm in the world? No. Is he the most athletic, dynamic? No. But Drew Brees has been doing it for almost two decades, man. Never blew you away with his arm. Same thing with Brady. Never blew away with his athletic ability, his arm, talent. But they've been doing that our entire lives because of the psychological and mental part of the game. I think Tua has that. I just think the Dolphins did him a bit of a disservice of not allowing him to grow and learn truly through some of the growing pains that most rookie QBs have. Now, I do think a full offseason will be beneficial for him because especially the fact that he's coming off literally a year ago from a career potential career in the injury he gets the rehab he gets the workout you know strengthen up you know his body more and to me that's just gonna help him for next year and the fact that they have the cap space they have and the draft capital that they have sky's the limit man in terms of the talent they can bring in but i'm gonna move on to the next part of the show i'm gonna talk about these nfl playoffs man you know we got the stand is out now. We got the matchups, you know, and I'm and I'm a I'm a key in on two games, one from each conference that I think that everyone should be watching for. The first game I'm gonna start with the NFC. The first game everyone should be watching, man. You need we need to be watching the Buccaneers take on the Washington Football Team, and I say this because of this. If the Buccaneers were to lose this game, that would be a huge, huge disappointment for the season for this team, man. And it would be because they had so much hype built up around this year. It was so many guys they bought in. They bought in Tom Brady, of course. Went out and got Gronk out of retirement. Went out and got Antonio Brown. They went out and got Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, despite the fact that LaShawn McCoy isn't really getting any snaps. But, you know, they went and added these pieces to make a legitimate push in the playoffs. To go one and done, it would be heartbreaking, and especially to the, the team it would be against. And that's the Washington football team. It it would be absolutely devastating, man. There's no other way to describe it. And it just... It just wouldn't sit right with a lot of Bucks fans. And this this would be terrible for Bruce Arians because he's a guy who has always been respected as a coach. You know, he's a guy who's always had a good, I want to say, good connotation behind his name. You know, he's respected around the league. He's liked. But, man, if he were to lose this first game, man... It'll be horrible for him. And for the Redskins, what they gain from this, I mean, no one is expecting them to win. Maybe a few people, like Redskins fans or people who want to see the Bucks fail. But realistically, man, no one is expecting the Redskins to even be in this game, honestly. I think they shouldn't even be in it. I think the Buccaneers should win by 14-plus easily. I know Mike Evans' health is a concern right now, but... Lucky for them, luckily for them, they have ample talent at the position. You got Antonio Brown. You got good with Chris Godwin. I mean, then you got, I believe, they have a little slot receiver, quick guy. I forgot his name. Still got Cameron Brake. Still got Rob Gronkowski. I mean, 
you got weapons, man. It's not like you you're losing you're losing production. Don't get me wrong, Mike Evans is a top ten receiver in this league easily, but you're losing you're losing production, yes, but you still have talent to pre- to replace it, not replicate it necessarily, but to replace his presence in a sense. Now, let's get over into the AFC. Game I'm the, the game I think that should be watching the AFC, man. The Buffalo Bills and the Indianapolis Colts. This is a juggernaut game, and this is strength versus strength. Buffalo Bills, dominant offense, passing game dominant. Josh Allen looks incredible year three. Excuse me. Looks incredible in his third year. Then you got the Colts, gritty defense, hard nose, hitting, Justin Houston, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, Xavier Rose outside, you know, Rocky Alcine. You, you got, man, you, you, they got guys, man. They got guys. Kenny Moore may be the best slot receiver. In, it's not slot receiver, I'm sorry. Slot corner, all the football. He's the best nickel I've seen in a long time. This defense will get after it, man. They'll get after it. They're hungry. They're gritty. But they got a tall task this week against the Bills, who I just told you earlier put a 50-piece on my Dolphins, who at the time we were the number one scoring defense, number one in, on third down conversions, and they absolutely manhandled us. It was horrible. So the, the Colts got their hands full with these guys, man. I expect this to be a close game. I don't think either team is going to blow it away with this game. I expect this to be hard for it. And honestly, man, it's it's hard to say who's going to win because I can see both quarterbacks making mistakes in this game. They both could be prone to making mistakes, and both of them are going up against some pretty good defenses. I mean, the, the Bills' defense isn't as good as we once remember, but... They still got talent over there, man. They they got a they got a really good safety tandem in Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde. They got an all pro caliber corner in Tre'Davious White. So there's, there's still talent over there. Don't don't think that they just left. It's still there. It's hard to say who will win this game, man. It really is. All right, now that we done the NFL, I want to get off into the NBA news, and I'm gonna start off with the. Game two potential game winners that KD and Kyrie Irving both missed the other night against the Washington Wizards. And in all honesty, man, it means absolutely nothing. I mean, it's the, what, seventh game of the season. The Nets are, I now believe, three and four, if I'm not mistaken. They're now three and four. Wizards two and five. They've won two straight. But in all honesty, man, it means absolutely nothing. I know people are gonna kill Kyrie and KD because of Kyrie's comments on KD's podcast. It does mean absolutely nothing. But here's why it is important. I told guys from the jump, Kyrie can feel whatever way he want to feel. That's on him. He's a grown man. He's gonna make his own decisions. His own. He's going to come up with his own conclusions, determinations. That's cool. But that doesn't mean what you're saying is true. And KD has now missed two game winner or potential lead ties shots this season. 
that narrative of him having the, a dude on the side of him who can make that shot two statement is looking completely false thus far. I mean, like I said, it's, it's extremely early. Hard to judge what a guy is and what can be after a year off of an Achilles injury. And, you know, seven games into the season. It's hard. But it's, it's hard not to at least look at career and be like, man, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, you play with a generation of talent. You play with another good guy, Kevin Love. You 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 play with a, a young young stun stun star like star studded star. I don't know why I said it like that, but a young pieces like Jalen Brown, like Jason Tatum, like you've played with some guys. And I'm not saying outside of LeBron, I'm not saying any of those guys are KD. I'm not saying that, but to say that. You never played with a guy, basically, to imply that you never played with a guy who could potentially make those same difficult shots. I think that that's just really disrespectful to those guys and how hard they work at their craft. Because Jalen Jalen Brown is not a day a better um, all around offensive player than he was when he first came in the league. It's it's, it's pretty clear and cut, man. Like this dude is legit at scoring the ball now. Like. He's always been an aggressive defender. He's been he's athletic. The talent has always been there. And like I said, the same I said about Isaac Okoru. I said it about with Jimmy Butler. I said about Kawhi Leonard. I said a guy who is a defensive-minded guy, athletic, will develop into a good or great player. Because offense is going to come naturally. It is. The game itself is about putting the, the ball in the bucket. That's what it is. So that would naturally come to you the more you play and the more you hone in on your skill set. But defense, athletic ability, IQ, some of that defense is nothing but effort, man. And you can't learn it. It's either you got it or you don't. You can't just become a all-NBA type of defender in a matter of one offseason because of training. It's not going to happen. Because at first it starts with you. And Jalen Brown has been a really good defender throughout his career. I mean, did, did we not see what he did to Pascal Siakam? But that's another topic for another day. Again, off topic. Point of the matter is, yes, it's the seventh game of the season. Yes, the two missed shots don't mean nothing. But it is it is quite entertaining and funny to see Kyrie eat his Warriors a little bit. And move on to other NBA news. Seems as if that the Rockets may be having hard to stay put, if you ask me. I mean, he's looked good coming into the season. I believe the guy is, what, averaging, I think at one point it was, went on a 44-point stretch. It was something along those lines. He's he's looked good. He's playing well. He didn't play the other night against the Kings. Sat out because of, I think, an ankle sprain. But the guy's giving you 37 a night with 11 assists, man. I mean, can't really do too much better than that, if we're being honest. I mean, he's playing lights out to begin this, to the year again. Despite all the trade rumors, despite him not, you know, preparing for the season, being out at strip clubs, parties, whatever he wanted to call it, whatever you want to say. 
the guy is an absolute baller at the end of the day. That's it. He's a hooper. He's a top 10 player in this league easily, top five easily. He's an MVP. He's been to the finals. He's been to the conference finals as the best player. Could have been to the finals, but, you know, injuries happen. They occur. You know, there's no telling who would have won that game, but Chris Paul plays. It might have been a different series that season. At the end of the day, man, he's a, he's a top guy in this league, and I think he deserves a bit more respect than he's given. I'm not saying I'm a Harden fan, and I'm not saying that he's a guy who deserves to be looked at like he's in the best at what he does. Because he may be the best at his position, but I don't think he's the best NBA player in the league. I, I don't think that at all. But... He is a guy that a lot of people were writing off of this year saying, oh, he's not going to try. He, he doesn't want to be there. You know, he's this. He's that. He's not a team player. He, he cares about himself. Well, the guy's going out there to give you 37 and 11. He, what, else, what more else do you want? Like, at this point, he's a guy who can show you he could turn just with a flip of the switch. He's that. All right, so I'm going to get into some fans Q&A. These are some questions from a week ago. I'm sorry, guys, that I'm just not getting to them, but it, it has been a rough couple. It has been a rough couple of days for me, to be honest. But let's get off into the questions. This first question comes from William McClung. Can the Bills take down the Chiefs? Now, this question is more relevant now that we have seen how the season has played out and what it will be. And the question is yes. Now, as much as it pains me to admit that, as a Dolphins fan, the Bills have a legitimate shot to go, not only go, but to win the Super Bowl. And I say this because of this. Their offense, if it stays at the pace and consistency it's been playing at these last eight weeks, they're going to be a tough out. I mean... The Dolphins have two really good corners, man, and Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And like I said, they absolutely torched us. It wasn't close. Sean McDermott yet again outcoached Brian Flores. And again, it, I hate to say it as a Dolphins fan, but now Brian Flores is on four against Sean McDermott in his short tenure with the Dolphins. Yes, it's been two years, but on four against one division rival, I don't care how long it's been doesn't look good so yes the Bills can take down the Chiefs they have the offense to do it their defense is respectable enough I think I think they can do it man I mean I'm not saying I like them to do it because I still think the Chiefs should be the favorites to go until they're out but I think they can do it if any if I could if I had to pick any team in the AFC to beat the Chiefs it would be the, it would be the Bills what team is best suited to knock off the Chiefs? This question comes from Noah Rogner. And he also added a little smart little comment saying, and why is it the Indianapolis Colts? <laughs> Noah is a Colts fan. Again, happy birthday to you, my boy. I hope you're being safe. And, I, and like I already said, I think the Bills have the best chance to knock off the Chiefs. But if I had, if I had to pick a second team, it would be the Colts. I think the coach's defense is legit. My only problem with the coach is Phillip Rivers. He's 
to me, he's a little bit inconsistent of a guy. He, he gets hot-handed sometimes, turns the ball over. I mean, that's, that's always been him throughout his career. That's why he's been a hot and cold type of guy. That's why he's never really had sustainable success throughout his career. I mean, yes, large part is because inconsistent play around him, but he's always had some weapons, man. LT, <clears throat> Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, you know, recent memory. But then you got to go back to the Vincent Jacksons of the world. Then you got to go back to Antonio, <clears throat> Antonio Gates. You know, you go back to goals like guys like that. I'm sorry. You know, he's he's had some guys around him that can help him be successful. I'm not gonna act like he just never had it. This next question comes from Josh Robbins. What player do you expect to take a leap this next level in the NBA? And in turn, what player do you feel will regress? Now, I feel as if I feel like I answered this question before. But the leap, the player I feel like that would take a leap would be I wanna say it's hard, man, because there's a lot of guys I think could take a leap. But I think Zion is going to take the leap, as he's already been showing, honestly. because Simply because he's going to get more minutes. I mean, I, I think that's simply because of that. I don't think conditioning would be a problem for him necessarily. I mean, he's in better shape than he was when he first got drafted, for one. And for two, he's young. I mean, <laughs> this guy's been playing basketball his entire life. I'm pretty sure... He can deal with playing a few more games. I mean, he's been in, out of, in and out of AAU tournaments. He, well, he's always easily been the best player on the court. Sometimes he's probably been arguably the best player because he played against a guy like LaMelo before. But for the most part, this guy has always been that go-to guy. He's never had any conditioning problems or coaches playing that he was complaining he was out of shape or something like that. He's never had that issue and the player I expected to regress this is how I know I answered this question before because I remember saying Jamal Murray and I'm still saying Jamal Murray and he is showing he's regressed from what we've seen in the bubble I knew his play was sustainable but he's not even playing like an all star caliber point guard right now and he was playing like an all NBA caliber point guard in the in the bubble now it's early again he's young talented very talented and I think Jamal Murray is underrated if I'm being honest but he's got to show some inconsistency man he, got, he has to now this next question comes from Mason Moon now that the season is basically right which team suffered the most due to COVID and if there is any what team benefited the most uh, to me, the team who suffered the most, I'm, I'm going to say the Broncos just because they literally had to play a game without a quarterback on their roster. Like, they no reschedule, no, you know, switching, you know, to a different date, nothing. I mean, it was it was horrible. And the team who had benefited the most, I don't necessarily believe it benefited any team, but if I had to choose, and just for the sake of choosing, I think I'm gonna I'm say the Steelers because they had to play a divisional opponent without their best player on the offensive side of the ball in Lamar Jackson, and they ultimately won that game. So I, I think that's a great, 
you know, this service. But to me, that's what it is. Where do you see Tua, Joey, and Herbert in five years? I'm Yeah, he's talking about Joe Burrow. He said Joey B. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I see all these guys being good quarterbacks. I've, I've already said it, man. Tua is in the offense with limited weapons, no running game, young offensive line, which means they're struggling at times and they're still learning themselves. But he showed flashes. He has to look great every week. Has to look good every week. But he shows flashes. He shows the throws. He shows anticipation. He shows that he has the ability to be that guy. And that's all you want out of a rookie sometimes. Just show promise. If you can do that, we can build on it. Justin Herbert, I think he's, he's finished the season as a top 10 passer. I mean... <laughs> He easily could have had 4,500 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. This guy's legit. And Joe Burrow is going to come back better than I believe he was before after this injury. Would Derek Carr be a Raider after this season? And also, if not, potential landing spots. No, I don't think he's coming back. I think I think that they're, they've seen what they had in Derek Carr. I think they're going to move on. Not to say that he's a bad quarterback. I just think I just think a change of scenery for him would be best, just like a change of, at a position would be best for the Raiders. John Gruen, I don't think he ever truly wanted Derek Carr, if I'm being honest. I think he always wanted to move on. I, I, I think he tried to see if it was something there that he wanted, per se, from a skill set standpoint. But I don't think he ever truly wanted Derek Carr. And potential landing spots. I'm gonna go with the best landing spot from him to me. Lions or Bears, either or. I think they both have young, promising players. I think they both can bring in talent, and I think he would be a significant upgrade, especially for the Bears. I I think him and Stafford are pretty much the same kind of guys, but he's a better decision making than Stafford, so that would be a little bit better for the Bears, I mean Lions but I think for the Bears he would absolutely come in to be a way better fit for them, way better and that's it for the Q&A's, you know thank you all for tuning in once again to the show you know, be sure to like subscribe to the YouTube channel be sure to click the bell to get notified for whenever I upload new content and also, don't forget I'm on social media platforms such as Instagram, such as Facebook. And now I'm also on Clubhouse. So if you ever want to hear anything from me, exclusive content, I'll be there. And I'll see y'all in the next episode.